Running the Bases with Small Businesses. I'm Randy Rohde, and I have a passion to work with small businesses, and I love baseball. So I thought, hey, let's bring them together. So every episode, I sit down with local entrepreneurs, business builders, and small business owners to talk about their wins and whiffs, their tools of the trade, and to give actionable tips to other business managers. We'll cover the bases with entrepreneurship, operations, sales, digital marketing, innovation, plus a little fun baseball talk. Thanks for joining us today. Settle in, grab your Cracker Jacks, and you know what they say, play ball. All right, as I like to say, it is a great day for a ball game. And, uh, all right, way to go, Gary. Take it home. And as I like to say, I like that little flair, right, Craig? That's kind of fun. Uh, and uh, I, I love to say, so my name is Randy Rohde, and you are listening to Running the Bases with Small Businesses. I'm really excited to have on the show today our second kind of international guest. So, Craig, I, I'm sorry you're not the first international, but I have a client who does uh, alcohol delivery services over in uh, uh, London. He was one of our guests earlier. This guy's 18 years experience in the digital marketing world, regular speaker at digital marketing conferences and events around the world, trainer and mentor to agencies and individuals, plus Folks, listen to this, and we're going to hopefully get a few details on the secrets of this. Right now, he's launched kind of his latest project. He's doing about $100,000 monthly revenue in this thing, and I want to hear about that. But right now, let's welcome Craig Campbell all the way from Glasgow, Scotland. Craig, welcome to the show. Thank you. Great introduction, but uh, <laughs> pleasure, pleasure to be here um, and obviously speak in front of a a different audience for for once so hopefully you guys can understand the accent um, i'll try and speak as slowly as i possibly can but <laughs> yeah pleasure to be here that's uh, great all right so before we get started with uh, craig's background and how you built this worldwide reputation for digital marketing tell us about this massive project that you've launched and how you're getting the results so far um, so there's no great special signs to it. I think yeah, with digital and, and SEO, which is where I'm particularly strong, I have launched a project with a friend and he has software and everything else. So he's got the whole background of a business sitting there and uh, and he, he does reasonably well in the country that he operates in. And we said at the, at the period when COVID started, let's do something else, you know, in the UK, let's partner up and let's do a project together because he's got the software and that business side of it. He doesn't have the marketing skills that I've got. We we went for it and it's in a very niche market. <laughs> and yeah, we, we basically, you know, a lot of people will tell you that mass page builders and and stuff like that doesn't work um, when it comes to to digital marketing and yes people do have a point when they say that you know if i was to launch a mass mass page builder in america and blanket ohio where you are and you know 50 other areas 
is it going to work that well? 99.9% duplicate content? Probably not. Um, you know, when people say, oh, you're stupid for trying that, Google are going to filter out duplicate, filter out duplicate content. However, in specific niches, you can get away with that where you are one of the only search for term, uh, one of the only websites that's even targeting that search term. So if you find a niche market and you use mass page builders, you can gain a lot of traffic very, very quickly. Now, what we decided here was, obviously, if you look at the likes of SEMrush or Ahrefs or wherever you do your keyword research, it will tell you that this particular search term in that area, you know, gets no searches. Now, pretty much anything that gets, you know, 20 searches or whatever it's going to be is not going to feature on that data because it's just not big enough for them to pick up on it. And a lot of people make that that mistake where they think that, um, that there's no search available for those search terms. But when you blanket any area, regardless of whether you're a plumber in Ohio and you, you blanket every other area around about Ohio with a mass page builder, you're going to get a lot of rankings. So basically what we've done in the whole of the UK was um, blast out 50,000 pages targeting every single area, postcodes, and, you know, town, city, borough, whatever, basically blanketed the whole area. And uh, we we obviously done link building and stuff like that to it as well. But what is surprising is that in niche markets, there is no competition. So even with duplicate content, you can get amazing traction. Uh, (laughs) So... When you Google this, this stuff's hitting page one with just content alone in, in most cases in kind of smaller areas, if you like. Obviously, with some of this, the bigger areas, we have to to you know send a few links to it, send a bit of traffic to it. Um, and, yeah, so it's not rocket science. It's, you know, it's mass page builder stuff. But what we are doing um, with the kind of bigger areas is driving traffic to the, the main area pages using paid social, paid advertising, um, to get click-through rate and engagement whilst building links to it. And that's working really well. So it's not, uh, you know, we're doing anything that is that special. I think with any kind of mass page builder thing, it really comes down to finding the right niche and it will work for some people. Other people say, I've tried it and it's not worked. Mm. And of course, it's not going to work in the digital space or the builder space or anything like that. Um, but yeah, it's it's a very well set. I'm not going. I don't want to say what the niche is because everyone will jump in. Right. Um, but it's a it's got serious volume, and I'll tell you. I'll tell you after the show. I'll actually show you the analytics, and um, just from you. But I don't want to say it publicly. But so I'll get the you, backdoor secret. Then this is good. <laughs> you pick yourself. You'll be like, why did I not think of that one? And there is it's it's a it's a niche that gets so much volume but people don't think about it that often. Uh And that is the type of opportunity that any business owner or entrepreneur, that is what you're looking for. Do not always think I have to go and sell, you know, iPhones or or gadgets or whatever. Think outside the box. There's Mm. there's a lot of money on the table out there. Um, And it's just, you know, finding the right opportunity. And uh, that's going really well. Yeah, that's really interesting that you even say something like that about kind of thinking out of the box and being creative, because I have clients, 
that sell products that I never would have ever thought of. And it amazes me at the volume of some of these very niche products that they're selling. And I'm not going to reveal these things either. So, well, that's good. Good for you. So Craig, um, your background, as I alluded to earlier, you've got 18 years experience in the digital marketing arena. And maybe even just for our audience, because we have folks who listen to the show who are in all different kinds of industries, right? So some are in marketing, some run retail stores, some have restaurants, operate manufacturing businesses, all different kinds of things. Maybe even just in a, in a brief uh, moment, define from your perspective what digital marketing is, and then tell us a little bit about your background, how you got started in digital marketing. <laughs> so digital marketing for me will obviously differ from person to person, but because of the length of time I've been in digital marketing, I would consider myself to be a broad digital marketer rather than just an SEO guy. Because when I was starting out in business, I had to do a whole lot of other stuff for myself as well. I couldn't just be the SEO guy. I had to then become the social media guy, the sales guy, the tech guy, the guy that basically done everything. And in today's market, digital marketing is a loose term. You know, people say, well, what part of digital marketing right. do you specialize in? <laughs> Someone like you might say PR, you know, if that's right. the, what you do, or SEO or pay-per-click or whatever. And people are really niching down right now and becoming you know, even the audit guy, you know, those guys out there who just run audits all day, every day. And I think it's because SEO becomes more, or digital market becomes more complex, as algorithms change, as tools evolve, and we're getting more data, and we're getting all of this kind of stuff, you know, you can niche down. But back in the day, you know, it was pretty much doing everything for yourself and marketing yourself through any means you know even if on you know i think when i started out i was on gumtree you know trying to to pay you know get work saying hey local guys you know i can build you a few web uh, you know build you a cheap website and do right. some seo for you so digital is that um you know it, it can be anything but i would consider myself to be very broad in all aspects of kind of online marketing all right so how did you get started in it to begin with so I always tell people this story. It probably comes down to my age. So I'm 40 right now, and I grew up in an era where we didn't have mobile phones, didn't have the internet and, and anything like that. So we were, um, when, when I got to about 17, 18, uh, the internet kind of came out in the UK. So it was about 97, 98, around about the time I left school. And, uh, you know, I left school and had some crappy jobs, you know, call center, sales jobs and all right. that stuff. Didn't really give too much thought about what I wanted to do, but then the internet came out by sheer luck or whatever you want to call it. And uh, I became mesmerized um, you know, by the internet and just, you know, just stupid things like being able to look at your house on Google Earth or chatting to, to girls, you know, 18-year-old boy was wanting to chat to, to girls. I just thought it was amazing sitting on MSN and, you know, talking away to, to potential girlfriends or whatever you want to call it. And uh, very quickly, uh, as the world has now realized, you become obsessed with the internet and you're just mind-blown by, you know, obviously you'll be able to relate to right, it. You know, right. When we grew up, you were playing TIG with your friends or, you know, running about, chapping people's doors and running away. And uh, so to have the internet was just mind-blowing. And 
I still bummed around in some crappy jobs because I didn't know what to do with the internet. But very quickly, I decided that uh, you know I didn't leave school with any qualifications, and I wasn't sure of the direction. I think I was quite immature uh, when I left school, as probably most boys are. And you've obviously got people who say, oh, well, what do you want to do? You can't ask a 16-year-old boy what you want to do for the rest of your life. It's not fair. So I bummed around in a few jobs, but I very quickly realised that when the internet came out that, you know, I quite like working online on a laptop. This, this is quite cool. Um, so I just started messing around, <laughs> trying to become a web designer. Um, I was really bad at it, but I learned a bit of HTML just at home bumming around, reading books, and it kind of evolved from there. So early 2000s, you know, I, I was looking for a way out of these crappy bum jobs that I had, you know, sales, I was in Burger King, the load of crap, and uh, started out um, being a really bad web designer. So um, <laughs> that's where it all started. That's funny. Well, at least you're honest about it. Yeah, I was a really bad web designer. So what is that journey? What's that been like? So kind of from first year digital marketer to where you are today? And how, how do you define yourself today? Do you say, yeah, I'm Craig Campbell, the digital marketer or something else? I, I, I'm trying to become more of a marketer than, than just an SEO. I used to always just be an SEO guy. That's all I used to talk about. Um, but I think, you know, in recent years, I've become more of a broad marketer as such. And I think that just comes with time and you just want to play with other stuff as well. But but how the journey started, you know, I, I think uh, I was in a job and uh, I was bumming around doing this HTML stuff. And um, and they, they, fortunately, the people there allowed me to play around on the website doing bits of HTML and adding things in and to the website. And I thought I was amazing being able to add a picture and have scrolling text going along the top of a page. <laughs> I thought, oh man, this is real good stuff. Um, but quickly as things progressed, it wasn't, you know, it, the business was trying to win business online, but SEO wasn't really a thing. So it was just like doing crappy Gumtree ads and trying to, to do things you know, there wasn't even Facebook to try and drive traffic from at that point. Um, so I was messing around with that stuff. And then I came across a forum that spoke about SEO as such and directories and all that stuff. And uh, I think very quickly, within a year or so, I was earning enough on the side with people asking me to do the directory stuff and all that, that I was earning more on my side hustle than I was in my day job. So very quickly got out of there. But I was probably about 22, 23 year old, still wet behind the ears, no clue what I was doing. <laughs> Went to work in the house for, for the next three or four years as a freelancer. <laughs> and really, that was my apprenticeship, you know, learning, developing on right. customers' time. And uh, and then, you know, I'm not going to say sadly, because it was it's all been a great journey. So three or four years in, I start to to struggle to motivate myself working from home. You know, I just found myself couldn't be bothered. So I decided to get an office, just a, a one-man office, just down the road from me. And I thought, I'll get out of the house and focus. This is going to help me. And very quickly, I ended up hiring a sales guy. And then before I knew it, I then wanted a web designer. I then wanted a content writer. After the four years of being, being a freelancer or whatever, I then started to find myself having staff round about me 
and then having to look for accountants and didn't really know what tax or VAT was <laughs> and all that stuff. I'm just bumming along. Um, you needed a bigger and, office then too. That was a, that's bigger than a one man office. <laughs> yeah. So in the office space, I was lucky enough to be in a, one of those business centers. So as you grew, you could exp- oh, you get could a bigger it. Okay. office in the building. Yeah, so that did you. happen. We weren't all sitting in the you know one man office. Although, <laughs> although there was a period of time where I think three of us at one point were sitting in the one man office, and you could literally smell the other guy's breath. <laughs> That's how it started. You know, was was not part of me a, a professional setup at all. And uh, and uh, again, it was funny games. We then expanded. And before I knew it, I had an agency. Yeah. Now, I, I didn't purposely set out to have an agency. And that's something I'm very, very vocal about. Now, I was just found myself to be good at SEO. And before I knew it, it was like when we spoke earlier about watching your kids grow up, it was just like blinking an eye. Yeah. Before I knew it, I had this, these staff around about me and these responsibilities. And I'm like, Whoa. Um, but the agency went well. And I, I ran the agency for probably the best part of 10 years. And uh, I, rightly or wrongly, did, did I run the agency properly? No. Looking back, you know, there was a lot of mistakes. The, you know, I didn't delegate enough. I didn't have the right processes in place. I didn't have, I didn't have lots of things in the right place. But I got 10 years out of it. We had reasonable success with you know, doing well for clients and stuff, but I had the, the business structure wasn't right. So mm. it gave me a lot of stress and anxiety to the point where I said, do you know what? I absolutely hate working with clients and, uh, and I hate managing people. And that is why in the last five years, I have pivoted towards being, you know, a self-brand affiliate marketer, trainer and stuff like that, because not that an agency can't be successful, but because I was basically thrust upon an agency um, or found myself in that position, a hell of a lot of the stuff was all set up wrong. Mm. And if I could go back and do it all again, of course, knowing what I know now, right. I would change a hell of a lot of stuff. Well, that's good. It's good in the sense that you kind of had enough awareness to go, hey, I know what I like to do and I know what I'm good at doing. And some of this other stuff was not fun and uh, kind of walked yourself out of it. So I think that's good for you to to have that awareness. And I wanted to ask you about this because I know this is kind of a rumor a little bit is that you don't like to work with clients. And so and you even kind of mentioned that, right? So the, the, the problem, right? So you, you, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say you definitely get this, but most agency owners will get this. You're going to have clients who drag so much time and energy out of you and are not paying anywhere near enough for that level of service. Um, You must have underpriced a project before where you're like, I'm spending more time talking to this guy than than I'm actually being paid for. You know, if you were to break that down into hourly consultancy, you, you can't run a business like that. There's got to be you know, you've got to be paid for every hour that you put into a project, whether that's handholding the client or whatever. And, you know, you've just got those clients. It's just the way of the world. Clients who are just petty, don't let you get on with it, don't give you enough budget, constantly whining, constantly want reported, constantly want educated. And as far as I'm concerned, dealing with people like that, you're giving them three for the price of one. You know, you're training them. You're, you're giving them the whole top agency level service at freelancer prices 
And, you know, that's the kind of thing that people come to expect. And that is where my agency failed. You know, I wasn't charging enough. Mm. I had the kind of, because I came from, you know, the freelancer mentality where you would just grab, you know, two and three hundred bucks a month from a client. You know, I couldn't do that as an agency and make it work that well because I just, I wasn't charging enough and we weren't set up to, to you know, have account managers to, to handhold that guy. So I was taking all of that stress on and yeah, it got to me. I'm not going to lie, you know, and, you know, trying to do everything um, and listening to clients whining really got my nerves. So, yeah. I will have to say, I I have been in the scenario where I have priced a project and like, uh, at a, ended up being very, very low margins for us. But I've been very, very fortunate in our client base. We have just had some great people that we've done projects for. And uh, so it's been a lot of fun. I love working with clients. And for me, that's where I get energized. A, a real shining spot for me. I love the the engagement with the clients. So you mentioned something else that I wanted to touch on just a little bit where you can explain it. And then I'm curious as well why you went down this route, which is affiliate marketing. You know, so you moved out of the agency. And so now you've started, as you said, you've are building kind of a your solo brand or your brand name as Craig Campbell SEO, but you're also doing this affiliate marketing. What is that exactly and, and why go down that route? So I'll tell you why, right? And so I'm going to add a little bit more to this story. So I, I forgot to add a bit in with the agency. Um, so the sales guy that I hired, one of the sales guys wanted to leave my agency. Now, when I ran the agency, I wanted to be the guy in the background who wasn't known whatsoever. I just wanted to get on with the SEO. He left, and I was phoning my own client saying, hi, it's Craig, you know, this guy's left. Um, I'm going to be, you know, talking to you on a month-to-month basis now, and they're like, who are you? Where's the other guy? Like, I liked him. Um, you know, I thought he owned the business. So the clients that I was working with never had a clue who I was. And for me, that left, now nothing happened. The guy didn't steal any clients or whatever, but in my head, no one knew who I was and couldn't care less who I was. I could have had my business swiped from right under my feet, which is why I chose to do the sales brand. Um, So if in future I was going to do any client work, people would know they were coming to me and my face would be known. And that's why I've got that. Mm. But to, to answer your question about why affiliate, so I'd done really well for a dental client and uh, this was a, a guy that was similar age to me and uh, he he opened up one practice, done really well, opened up another and he eventually had five or six different practices and he gave me a phone call one day. So I was doing SEO for all of these practices and they phoned me and they said, can you come in and see me? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Went in and uh, he was telling me like he was uh, selling up all his stuff he was going to retire so he had had an offer for his clique of um, practices and he wanted to sell up he was going to relocate and pretty much wanted to spend he was 31 years old at the time and he wanted to spend you know years watching his kid growing up or kids growing up Mm -hmm. that was what he wanted to do and I'm like fair play and that guy said to me Craig you're the stupidest guy I've ever met and I went why is that (laughs) You have essentially helped me grow my business, helped me retire, and been paid a pittance for it. He says, you need to find something that makes you money. 
do not make money for other guys, he says, because you've got a unique skill set there. You can do, you can practice what you preach. Why the hell would you make me a millionaire and not do it for yourself? And I said to him, like, I don't have, I don't have dentistry skills. I don't have a great product to sell. I don't have anything. Now, I have tried. So I, when he said that to me, I actually tried a couple of different ventures. And the first one I ever tried was selling women's clothes. Now, why women's clothes? So we look at the search volume and go, whoa, right. you know, women's dresses, all of that stuff. You know, it's hundreds of thousands of searches per month. So me and the wife, you know, look out some stuff that we think people would buy, got a shit ton of it delivered to the warehouse, um, which is where my office is, and uh, made up a website. Now, at that point, uh, we were selling lots of it. We were getting decent volume. But with that, you were getting a lot of returns because women don't buy just one item. They'll buy two two shirts that are the same kind or two dresses mm. to see which one fits them better, and they'll send the other one back. Now, when you're focusing on a business that's low margin, high volume, which the clothing industry is, and you're getting you know 50% returns, it's eating my profit away. So I dived stupidly two feet first into a niche that I didn't understand, you know, didn't do any research. And that frustrated me greatly because people were returning stuff. So when you do affiliate, all you're doing is leading people to the sale, all the returns and all the other crap that you get from a potential customer, if it's broken or whatever, is dealt with by the the, the, the main supplier and you're just an affiliate. So after several mistakes of doing drop shipping and uh, you know the women's clothing thing, I felt that affiliate was the easiest, most stress-free option for me just to crack on with the SEO. You know, I didn't want to be mm-hmm. posting women's clothes out. That's that's just not what I not, not what I want to do. So yeah, so that's that's the story behind that. So you do all different kinds of affiliate stuff. Do you still do the women's clothes? No, no. I've, I've, I've actually still um, got a whole box, you know, boxes full of stuff. Um, some of the stuff sold really well, some of it didn't. But the women's clothes idea was cut right off. It was absolutely horrendous. You, you probably still have a box of like uh, stuff that didn't sell, and you're just like sitting on it. Memento stuff. Maybe it was in your wife's size. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> she wouldn't even wear it it's just that bad this stuff um that's so, funny yeah. all right so now kind of going into today's world i mean you you speak around the world in seo conferences and events and on seo search engine optimization and digital marketing how did you get started into that that is Amazing. I tried to find out actually how many maybe different events or conferences, expos that you've spoken at. And I don't know, it's probably over a hundred. Oh, there's literally hundreds I've done. How did it start? You know, it's hard to see how it started. So what what happened is when I started to do this self-branding thing, I spoke um, on a friend of mine's digital uh, it was a digital based webinar type thing a digital conference Mm. so it wasn't in person and uh, very quickly then Sam Rush asked me to they said oh we really liked 
the way you spoke there, you seem very knowledgeable. Do you want to come on a Sam Rush webinar? Um, so I started doing some stuff with Sam Rush, and uh, and from there, you know, actual events were asking me if I if I'd be interested in speaking. And Sam Rush also, I was fortunate enough because Sam Rush sponsored a lot of these events, and the the at the time only had one main speaker for Sam Rush who mm. travels the world, a guy called Fernando. Um, and Fernando was like in Norway or something, and they were like, "Hey, can you talk in Leeds?" at Search Leads and I'm like sure and they're like we'll pay your travel and all that stuff and I'm like sure and um, they went the only stipulation is you have to talk about same rush and you know this is what we want you to talk about and um, that was fine but I think you know same rush have a lot to answer for in terms of giving me exposure right. um, on webinars which then led to, to um, the actual conference speaking and yeah, and, and it's just evolved from there. You know, you do good. All you need to do is deliver one good conference talk and others will say, oh, you need to come here, you need to come here. So um, it's, it goes really well. So it really it comes down to a big thank you to Fernando from Norway. Um, <laughs> he's actually from Chile, but um, he was in Norway at the time. But yeah, no, same, listen, same rush have helped me yeah. massively in terms of branding and giving right. me the platform to, to demonstrate my knowledge, yeah. um, both on webinars and at live events. But I've oh, also got good. to give myself a pat on the back because it is absolutely not easy to, to speak in front of an audience. It's very different sitting here talking in a yeah. podcast or a webinar or whatever you want to call it to, to speaking in front of thousands of people. It, it is really, even to this day, it's still a nerve-wracking experience. Yeah, no, I know. I've done a couple of presentations, and I know, and yeah, you put a lot of work into doing that. I'm glad that it's kind of evolved like that for you. All right, so, Craig, do you know what time it is? It's the time of the show for us. And it's time for the seventh inning stretch. So, Craig, this is the part of the show where, you know, it's running the bases. So we kind of have this baseball theme going on here, right? I don't know. Do you like baseball? Do you ever? More a basketball fan, but yeah, baseball's all right, but we don't see much of it here in the UK. Yeah, I know. Not a lot of baseball going on in the UK. So I tasked the research team uh, to come up with a little bit of a subject, at least around that I thought you could tap into anyway. And so we, we came up with this question like, so baseball has been around for 150 years, roughly. How many out of all of that? And specifically, I think the MLB started like in turn of the 20th century. So like in 1901, I think is when MLB was formed. How many MLB players were born in Scotland? 150 years of baseball. I would probably say two. <laughs> you say, and actually a little bit more than that, but not a whole lot. 150 years of baseball, seven players. Seven, seven have come from Scotland. Yeah. Three players that were like in the late 1800s, like 1878 to about 1884 that came from 
And I wonder if the guys all knew each other. They all were from Glasgow. And they all came and played baseball. And they all played in Cleveland, as a matter of fact. For a team at that time, was called the Cleveland Blues. But they all came, like, they must have known each other. Because, you know, I can't imagine that, hey, the guy from Scotland is playing in Cleveland. And then there was a player. Now, I'm a big Cubs fan. So there was a player who played for the Cubs for two years back in the... um, uh, kind of the mid 1940s, and then the most recent player, though, guy from Dundee, Scotland, is that close to you? Eh, probably about fifty miles. Yes, yeah, that's not, that not far. far. So this guy played in the late 1980s, and again played for the Cleveland Indians. Uh, he was a, a pitcher for the Indians here for about three years. Did quite well, actually. Had a, a 3.06 ERA, so which is good in baseball. Well, thanks for playing the seventh inning stretch with us here. So let's let's get back to it here. Play ball. Now in today's world, you still have a team. So you're still kind of manage some folks, right? So you've got about a, a team of folks that work with you. What's your biggest challenge right now? You gave a little insight. What's your biggest challenge right now about managing your team? And are they local or are they remote? So I've got a team of six who are local um, in the office in Glasgow. Um, and that team basically consists of an account manager, like I, I kind of, because I've got a small agency as well. So it's not entirely true when I say I don't do client work. I personally will not deal with a client, but I do have a small agency um, where I've got a business partner and he does client work with my team. I take nothing to do with the actual um, management of it though. But anyway, so I've got him, I've got a web designer, I've got a full-time videographer, I've got a content writer, and uh, I also have another like mini me you know a guy young kyle who has been with me since he left school he's been there six years and basically i can say to him do this and he'll just do it he knows what to do and i've basically trained him up to 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 be able to understand the language that i talk and you know all those kind of little weird quirks so I, I and it's for those quick changes in the office but the way i see it most of the the people in the office are like middle managers, if you like. So if we need a whole bunch of content for a project or a whole bunch of link building or a whole bunch of anything for that matter, then a lot of this stuff um, is outsourced. They basically manage the process and, you know, the refining of it. So if we outsource any content, then it's their job to be be able to manage that, then get it back in, add it to the website, add your internal links and, you you know, the whole process that goes on with um, adding content, you know, running it through Suffer SEO or whatever for, for that kind of thing. So they're all middle management in, in the office and they're all people who have been there for a number of years and have been fortunate enough that they're happy in their job and there's no real drama with them as such. There's they get on with their jobs, they know what to do, and, you know, we've just got a good process, and they they like the kind of flexible, you don't always have to be in the office, you can work from home if you're not well, or, you know, various bits and bobs. So there's six there, but, you know, we do outsource. I do have other people that have caught, you know, a couple of content writers across um, different parts of the world, um, and I've got a few other bits and bobs that get done regularly by guys, you know, just across mm-hmm. across the world. So, um, any kind of grunt work is outsourced. Good. So it sounds like you've taken some 
learning lessons from your early agency days to applying it to managing your team now, giving them a little more freedom, train them, set some processes. So that's good. All right. Where do you get your insights now and strategies to grow your business, to take it to the next level? Where, where do you look to grab some of those kinds of strategies? Where do you get your resources? Um, I mean, I think a lot of it is the people that I surround myself with. Um, you know, I do a lot of private masterminds and stuff as well. I, I know a lot of business owners and, and you know, I've got close friends who we all meet up, you know, a couple of times a year um, and just bounce ideas off each other or help each other. You know, if someone's got a problem, you know, speak up about it and we'll all try and, you know, iron that problem out for you. And I think it's surrounding yourself by with other successful people is where that the, I feel is, is the most important thing. You know, not jealous people are people who want to see you fail because, you know, that's 90% of the world. Uh, I think it's who you surround yourself by, positive people who are not jealous. And, you know, I think even going to conferences and talking at the bar, after I speak at a conference, people will come up to you at the bar and they'll talk to you and they'll, and then you just have a conversation with them. And then before you know it, you know, you end up even maybe doing business with that guy or or you're like, dude, I, I need to know more about that. You know, can you consult me? And, mm. you know, even now, I'll, I'll, if I see something that if you were doing something out of the, the box that, that I hadn't heard of or I didn't understand, I'd, I'd be phoning up saying, how much a consultancy call? Can you teach me this stuff? I want to learn. And I think you have to be proactive in your learning, regardless of whether it's digital or not. You know, any business owner has to continue learning. You're not the be-all and end-all. It's certainly not in our industry. Um, I'm always picking up new things, as I'm sure you are, um, from all different types of people. But what I do feel is people that get up off their backsides and attend conferences or attend masterminds are guys that are enthusiastic and passionate about bettering themselves and their businesses, whereas there's so many guys that just sit on YouTube they just want everything to lay on their lap, you know, and they expect everything to be given over a podcast or a video. So you've got your hands in a lot of different types of marketing. I mean, I look on the internet and I'm, you know, doing research. You're on YouTube. You've got podcasts. You're doing live streaming over all different kinds of platforms. You're writing articles. Can you share what what are a few of your favorite channels that you like to kind of take uh, a part of? How, how do you like to exploit those platforms for maximum effect? Um, I mean, at the moment, YouTube works really well for me. In the past, you know, things like LinkedIn worked really well. You know, I think LinkedIn was really effective, you know, five plus years ago when we had all the automation tools and right. all of that kind of stuff. And I think LinkedIn for me, is kind of dying now and people are just whining and moaning and the automation has been clamped down on and there's just not as much from it and it's becoming saturated one thing i think the the moment worked really well is is youtube Mm. um you know i think just by default you know people prefer watching a video than they do maybe reading a blog now i'm not going to say everyone does but you know a lot more people relate to to video content YouTube's algorithm is fairly, I'm not going to say it's easy to game, but, you know, you can rank videos in five minutes on YouTube Mm -hmm. at the moment. And, you know, Google's becoming 
you know, an algorithm update every other day and things are rocking about all over the place. And, and I think it's actually dangerous to put all your eggs in one basket. Um, I think as a marketing guy, I like to do a bit on Facebook, do a podcast, do a bit of paid paid search and do a bit of YouTube stuff uh, as well as the, the kind of organic stuff as well. Um, I think that's always, always been my, my thing, but YouTube's easier than, than you know, SEO for, for sure. Mm-hmm. The, the algorithm is nowhere near as aggressive, nowhere near as clever. And what we have to do as business owners is grasp any opportunity like I did five years ago with LinkedIn and absolutely annihilate it for all I could until they clamp down on it. <laughs> and obviously their algorithms will change and you may not get as much business from it or anything like that. But you've got to exploit what's working now. I think even some paid things like you know t- using technology like the Facebook Pixel to retarget people, doing some low-cost paid ads on Facebook works really well as well. So I think you know between YouTube, the the kind of paid social stuff, the the podcasts, I do drive a lot of traffic to my website. You know if I was to go to analytics on my own personal blog, mm. where does most of the traffic come from? Social media. Um, it's not organic search. And uh, and I, I think that's I'm happy with that. You know, that, that at this present time, having a balance of it coming from different places for me is good. And obviously, social media is something that you know anyone can do as well. You know, SEO is a bit more technical, and uh, you know you have to do certain things and stuff like that. But you know, anyone can do social media. Anyone can do YouTube, and it, you know, take advantage of that as a business mm-hmm. owner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great advice. Where do you see the industry and the business in the next two to three years? Where do you see you in the next few years? Um, it's, it's, I get asked that all the time. And I think, you know, I don't see it changing that much, to be fair. As much as, you know, people are always talking about voice search or AI coming into play and all of this kind of stuff um, that's coming out, it's going to evolve for sure. And it always has evolved and we're going to have better targeting options or our AI is going to be doing a bit more of our work for us or optimizing things a little bit better or whatever you want to call it. But I still think with marketing in general, you still need that human element and people buy into people. They don't buy into robots or bots or, or anything like that. You know, why do people consider using me for training or 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 you know whatever they might use me for or for consultancy? because they they like the way that I talk or maybe think I'm transparent or giving them actionable tips or or whatever. And and people are buying into me and not a bot. And I don't think you'll ever be able to replace that. You know, that that's the thing. And I, you know, I think Google and everyone else would love to say, you know, in five years time, everyone will be robots and and that's it. You know, that's not going to be the case. Uh, I don't think it's as close as that maybe in 20 years that might be the case. But I think over the next few years, I think AI still got a lot to go um, before it is ever going to be perfect. And I think it's just going to be pretty much the same, probably. You just. But what I would say to people is do not focus all your eggs in one basket. Try and spread the, the marketing um, across multiple channels because I think that's where it's going. You have to do that. Great advice. Here we are. We're coming down here to the bottom of the ninth. I always love to ask this question to all of our guests. You've got 
a number of years as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, doing all different kinds of things. What advice do you have for the rookies in the game? So for these folks who are just maybe starting out in their own business and or want to start uh, their own business, what kind of advice do you have for those folks? Um, I would always say start out um, with this in your head. So one of the biggest failures I had when I was running my agency was everything came through me. I built myself into the business rather than working on the business. So I made myself an essential part of my agency where was I I a control freak? Yes, I was. Um, You know, I wanted all content and everything else to come through me. I wanted all sales to come through me. I wanted to invoice everyone. I wanted to do everything and it could kill you. So I think what I'd advise to anyone is if you're going into business, make sure that you don't position yourself in the business, work on the business and look to get those processes, systems and everything else in place because it will allow you to scale. I had a, I, I struggled to scale and I was also scared to delegate. I didn't trust anyone. You just have to get the right people round about you as well and trust them because I was like, there's no way that person's answering the phone. And was that, it was just arrogance from me. Um, you know, there wasn't that these people were bad. I was just, a, you know, a young guy, had his business and I just, I was scared of it breaking, um, if you like. So I was very defensive of it. Like, you know, this is mm-hmm. my business and you guys just don't do your stuff there. Um, and I think that was the wrong, the wrong mentality if you like. And I think for anyone going out, don't go in with that mentality and and make sure that you delegate properly. And those processes, I can't speak highly enough of, if you get a member of staff in, this is the way to think of it. If you get a member of staff in and you have a process for that given task, whether it be, you know, writing a blog post or whatever that task is going to be, you're going, they're going to have a process and they're going to know what to do, what to research and everything else now, if you need to get rid of them the very next day, you've got a process there where someone else can come in, slip in, follow that process, and it's the only way you're going to get scale. Whereas, you know, before, because I was so stressed and wasn't didn't have the right processes and everything else, it also had a detrimental effect on the staff because I was that stressed that I didn't even have time to spend with the staff to even give them any kind of guidance. <laughs> so those processes from the get-go, have to be in place. Because if you're going to be a busy business owner, that that happens, it happens to us all. But, you know, some these people need to be nurtured and and, and, and they have to learn. And um, and if, if they come back to you and say, Craig, how do I do this? Well, your processes are not right. Um, if, if they're having to ask you questions or they're not following it right and you just get rid of them. So that that's the two different things with processes. If they keep asking you questions, your process is crap. If they just can't follow your process, they're probably just not the right person for the job. So I can't speak highly enough about processes, as I say. And don't be that guy like me, the control freak. Mm-hmm. Um, it just does not work. You cannot scale a business being, being like that. I know you've got, you have... Uh, just a ton of material that's out there and available for folks. I know you've got uh, 
free training uh, available for folks to learn how to do um, some of the digital marketing tasks and SEO. And do you want to talk a minute about that? Um, Where can they go access some of this stuff? We'll have links as well for folks in the show notes so they can go directly to the show notes and find some of this stuff as well. Um, So I did at the start of lockdown launch, uh, well, not launch, gave away all of my courses free of charge. And it was on a platform called Thinkific. However, I don't want to promote that because all of that coursework has been uploaded to YouTube. So if you go to YouTube and go to Craig Campbell SEO and go to the playlist, if you go to free SEO course, it's all there. If you go to, you know, I've even got a local SEO guide as to what to do. So there's playlists for everything that I've got available and they all are like over the shoulder or me telling you, you know, you've got to do this or got to do that. But I think most people will learn visually with the over the shoulder type videos and it's still something that I'm adding to every other day. And on top of that, obviously you get the weekly lives that I do, question and answers, trying to get, you know, people's questions asked. And, and, you know, there's a lot of material on my YouTube where I think for any rookie coming in to learn, you will see what other rookie, you know, if you're too scared to to ask questions or, you know, you want to sit in the background, watch one of my lives because other people are asking the questions. You don't even have to put your name forward and you can watch what they're asking and learn from it. And hopefully, um, you know, it's just about giving stuff back to the community right. as well. Because uh, one thing that pains me is the amount of misinformation that's out there. It's good for you that you're uh, helping the folks out trying to do some of that stuff on their own. That's great. Well, listen, Craig, it's been great to have you on the show. Thank you so much. That's a ball game, as we like to say at the end of the games. You've been great. And and again, people can catch you at craigcampbellseo.co.uk or, or com. .com. Okay. And then they can also find a lot of your materials out there on YouTube. Just search under Craig Campbell SEO on YouTube and you'll find you out there. Listen, again, thanks for having, being a guest here on the show. It's been great having you here. No problem at all. Pleasure's all mine. All right. And for those of you listening, hey, thanks for joining us today. If you like the show, please tell your friends, subscribe. And of course, we would love your review. And as we like to say, we'll see you around the ballpark. Running the Bases with Small Businesses is brought to you by 38 Digital Market, a digital marketing agency committed to client growth with lead generation higher conversions, and increased sales. Connect with us today at 38digitalmarket.com.